Uh, but today, uh, I believe that this is just the right sermon that our church needs, that you need. And you made a really good decision by coming here this morning. You are not uh, here by accident. This message is for you. Uh, I'm going to call it, Get It Back. Get it back. And I'm going to start in Psalms chapter 51, uh, verse 1 through 3. <clears throat> And uh, this is a psalm that David wrote. Uh, David was the man after God's own heart, powerful man of God. Uh, and uh, he was a, a musician. And, and when he was in agony or if he was in triumph, no matter how he was feeling, he would write music and sing songs. And this was a, a particular uh, song that he wrote when he was in a place of, uh, um, of embarrassment. Uh, he had committed a horrible sin and uh, felt far away from God. And, and these are the words that came out of David's mouth. Uh, he said, uh, verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Verse 8, <clears throat> Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. And this is the, the part I, I really want you to hear. And created me a pure heart, O God, and renew, bring back. I lost it, but I, I need it back. I need you to renew that steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And restore, bring back the joy, the passion, the, 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 the joy of my salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then uh, one more passage of scripture. It's in the uh, book of Revelation. And uh, Revelation chapter 2. And uh, this is a, a warning to a particular church. A warning to the church of Ephesus. Uh, this was a great church that Paul founded. And uh, now they're, they're getting a letter. A letter from uh, uh, John. As he got the revelation of Jesus Christ. And uh, I believe that if this letter came to us. It would have significant meaning uh, to us today. And this is what uh, John wrote. He said verse 2. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. We have a lot of people who have persevered in this church. You've been through a lot, and you've overcome a lot. You've persevered. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, and you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Good job. But this is the problem. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love the passion, the connection you had with me at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you used to do at first. And uh, I believe that as we go into this new year, yes, we want God to do a new thing, but there's also some things that God wants to bring back in our life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you will help me be able to deliver this, this message in a way that is relevant, in a way that will convict and touch the hearts of everybody in here, Lord God. That we are ready for you to do a new thing, a special thing in our life, Lord God. Uh, but Lord, there are some things that you need to bring back in our life, Lord God. There are some uh, hopes, some dreams that you're going to resurrect in our life. Some things that we have given up on, some people that we have given up on that you are going to begin to restore and make new again, Father. 
Father. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Uh, any uh, sports fans in here? Football fans? Football fans. Uh, count of three, just yell out your favorite team. One, two, three. Shout it out. I heard, uh, I heard Eagles. Eagles got a big game today. Who are the Eagles playing today? They're playing. Who thinks that the Eagles are going to beat the Giants? Thinks the Giants are going to beat the uh, Eagles. Who thinks that Dallas Cowboys should never be a professional football team ever again? Sorry. Sorry. Uh, who thinks everybody in the NFC East is just going to lose and it's going to be a, a record probably because that division is terrible. I, I love uh, football. I love sports. It's probably my favorite thing to watch. Uh, love, you know, coming home Saturday, turning on uh, the Jets, watching them do whatever, but I just love it. We can't get enough of it. I love baseball. I love football. I love watching basketball. Uh, one thing I, I would do anything to be able to do is uh, sit down and watch a football game with my son Judah. No interest whatsoever. Uh, literally would, would rather pick lint out of his belly button than watch a football game with, with his dad. And it, it crushes me, but, but nevertheless, uh, I want to uh, pursue Judah's passions. I want to help him. And if he's not passionate about sports, then uh, I want to find out what he is passionate about. And what Judah, my son, is very passionate about is uh, science loves science. I asked him this morning, uh, we, were, we were sitting there, uh, we were actually watching the end of Return of the Jedi this morning before church. Very spiritual experience for your pastor. Don't judge me. Uh, but I, I made a promise that we would watch the end of it this morning. And so I'm watching it with, with Judah and I go to Judah, uh, what's your favorite thing to watch on TV? And uh, he goes to me, the science channel. I'm like, all right, so what, what program on the science channel? And so Judah's favorite program is Mysteries of the Abandoned. Anybody, any big fans of Mysteries of the Abandoned? Not a lot uh, here in this 10 a.m. worship experience. Uh, but we have one in our household. His name is Judah. Uh, but it, it actually is a very interesting show. I've watched it with him many times. And uh, what it is, it, it shows you these, these places all across the world that at one time were like very affluent and prosperous and magnanimous. And now they're like a ghost town. Now they're abandoned. And there's this one in particular uh, that caught my attention. And it was this uh, little uh, town that was founded by French settlers in Mississippi, what's now known as Mississippi, and uh, it, it was called the Little Gulf, or in French they would call it Petite Golfet. Maybe. I, I think that sounded like what the French would call it, right? If there's any French people, uh, I apologize. Uh, but it was, it was the Little Gulf, and, and it was founded by French settlers, and uh, it was actually taken over by the Americans after the French and Indian War, and uh, it was purchased by a, a man by the name of John Calvert. And John Calvert, uh, after he purchased it, named it after one of his mentors, Rodney. And uh, so this, this city was called Rodney, Mississippi. And in the 1700s, this was one of the most affluent cities in all of the South. They were right on the Mississippi River, and it was a port city, and uh, they were responsible for bringing agriculture up and down the Mississippi River. There were families that would move there for business. Uh, it, it had the best restaurants. It had the best businesses. It had the best schools. It was booming. It was popping. It was actually, believe it or not, three votes away from being the capital of Mississippi, uh, which is, of course, Jackson, Mississippi. And, and so this, this place, Rodney, was, was booming back in the 1700s, but something uh, crazy happened that, that you could watch uh, if you're interested on uh, Mysteries of the Abandoned Science Channel, uh, Channel 622 on demand. Uh, know that one by heart. 
uh, what happened was, is little by little, the direction of the Mississippi River began to shift just a little bit, just a little bit at a time. And, and the, the people of Rodney didn't even realize it, uh, but then in the 1900s, what, what started out little by little ended up bringing Rodney all the way three miles from the Mississippi River. And it was no longer on the Mississippi River. It was no longer a port city. And because of that, it, it, it lost all of its businesses. It lost all of its restaurants. Its schools were, were, were abandoned and boarded up. And now if you go down to Rodney, Mississippi, there is not one person living there. It is a completely abandoned city, lifeless city, no affluence, no prosperity, uh, no schools, nothing going on in Rodney, Mississippi, all of because of one thing that happened. One thing is it lost its connection to the river. And that is such a powerful point as we go into 2020. Because when you lose your connection to the river, all of a sudden, everything that used to flow to you, everything that used to be able to be done through you is now severed because you're no longer connected to the river. And the Bible says in John chapter 7 uh, that, that Jesus, when he spoke to the people, says that if you thirst, come to me and I will give you living water that can flow through you like a river. The Holy Spirit is our river. And the same is true with our own lives, that if we're not connected to the river of God, we will not be able to have life come and flow through us. You have to stay connected to the river. And so many people, I've been uh, alive for 35 years. I've been a pastor for 11 years. 11 years. Can you believe that? I thought I might get maybe like one person to, to say, that's pretty good, 11 years. Survived, you know. Still here, still got my hair, which is very impressive for pastors. A lot of pa pastors don't have that. They get, let the stress go to their, their hair. Um, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not, no judgment for me from people who don't have hair. Um, where was I? My gosh. 11 years I've been pastoring. That's right. And one, one thing that I have seen so often is when somebody allows themselves to get disconnected from the river, disconnected from the Holy Spirit, for whatever reason. So often it can be prosperity. So often it can be good things. I got a new job. I, it's taken me away from church. or I, I'm all of a sudden so busy and all of a sudden I don't have time to, to be able to, to, to be connected to God like I used to. I tell you, it breaks my heart to know these stories of all these close friends that I have had. All of these people that I've seen in this church who have thrived, who have been so full of the Holy Spirit, so passionate about God's things. And then all of a sudden, little by little, they lost their connection to the river and now you, 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 I hear and I, they, they come and they talk to me and one of their greatest regrets is losing their connection to God that they had so strongly at one point. So often people think that it's not going to happen to them, that, that, that it, it's just a, a, a silly spiritual thing and, and it, it really doesn't matter. What really matters in life is, is, is how much money I can make or be able to uh, live a certain way or in a comfortable way. But your connection to the river is everything. That's where life flows from. And the person that, that I want to talk about this morning that I believe had the closest connection to God of anyone in the Bible is a guy by the name of David. And I read you his psalm earlier. David was, was so connected to God. 
the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. He was so connected to God, even as a young child, even as a teenager. He would be in the, the shepherd fields, and he would be pra praising God. He didn't have anybody around him, but he was worshiping God. He would write down these songs, and he, he was so passionate about the things of God that uh, even when he was a young boy and he saw a giant that was talking trash to God's people, he was so infuriated with passion that he chased down this giant and said, you don't mess with my God. He was full of, of passion because when, when you, you lose your connection, what happens next is you lose your passion. There's, they're, they're connected, you see. When you're close to God, what will flow from that is, is your passion. And so many people have lost their connection, and then the next thing that happens is they lose their passion. And David was such a passionate man after God. He didn't need a position, but he was passionate. He didn't need a, a, a place. He didn't need the palace. He was just passionate about doing the, the things of, of God. And, and, and that's the, the, the second thing that I want us to be able to get back this morning is our passion for God. David was so passionate that he would dance before the Lord. And no kings ever did this before. There's a scripture in, in Samuel where he was dancing before the Lord and, and he was wearing his priestly garments. And then his wife yelled at him for dancing before the Lord because it made her feel uncomfortable. Any passionate people ever make you feel uncomfortable? Yep. Don't ever pour water on someone else's passion, BT Dub. That, that if you see somebody that's passionate about something, don't, don't shoo them away and say, you need to calm down a little bit. No. I, there's this one woman, uh, she's amazing. She comes to the 8.30 a.m. service. Uh, her name is Pastor Dolores. And Pastor Dolores is a passionate woman of God. And I remember it was like four years ago, uh, she started coming to our church. And, and whenever, uh, you know, God would start to move in a service, like she couldn't control herself. And she would stand up, she'd stomp her feet, and she'd, she'd shout, she'd say, Glory! Say something like, like uh, 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 maybe, that's right, pastor, that's right. You know, anybody know, know, know this person? I love this woman. This woman is, is one of my favorite people in this entire church. I love you too. But this woman, man, she fires me up. She's passionate. I remember this one time, she came to me and she said, I, I, I hope I didn't distract you this morning, Pastor Isaac, because I just got so excited. She was like, when I was thinking about God's goodness and what he's done for me, I just couldn't stand there and do nothing. Like I had to, to open up my voice and I hope I didn't make anybody around me feel uncomfortable. And I told her, I said, don't you ever apologize to me for being passionate. I pray that there will be some more passionate people in here that when you think about the goodness, and I love this song, we used to sing it. Uh, when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me and when I think of his goodness and how he set me free, I want to shout, shout, shout all night. All night. You know, like, if you could just find your passion again for Christ, this church is for passionate people. That's what we're here for. If you, if you want to shout, you can shout. If you want to cry, we got tissues for you. If you want to run, just run in place. We don't have a lot of room for that. And, just, and definitely don't run at the stage. We get really freaked out when people do that, okay? Happened to me one time. The guy got taken out by our security team. One time. But you need to make a place for other people's passion. Are you a passionate person? Because passion matters to God. Passion matters to him. And I realize that passion isn't just a volume level, okay? 
Because I know a lot of people that have, have a lot of high volume, but they don't have real passion. Because real passion perseveres. The test of passion is perseverance. The test of passion is how to weather the winter. The test of passion is how you respond to problems in your life because a lot of people have superficial, fair weather passion. Uh, it reminded me of a time I went to a Mets game. And I uh, went to a Mets game, and I was sitting up in the cheap seats. And uh, when the game first started, there were some really boisterous fans next to us, Mets fans, if you could believe it. And they were excited, and they were, they were screaming right from the, the get-go, right from the, the national anthem. But, but a typical Mets game, the Mets started getting creamed. And all of a sudden, the sixth inning, they weren't as loud any longer. And then by the time the seventh inning stretch came and they started singing, God bless America, they said, God bless America, peace out. We're out the door. This game is over. That's not a passionate person. They were shouting real loud when things were going good for the Mets. But then when things started to turn, I'm out the door. But you know what? Real fans are able to have passion through hard times. And I stayed at that Mets game, baby, because I'm a passionate Mets fan. I've been through all the, 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 the difficult times with the Mets and all the losers, but I'm a Mets fan, true and blue. And I stayed till the end, baby. And I saw something that that woman didn't get to see because I'm a real passionate Mets fan. I might not be shouting as loud as her, but I'll stay to the end, baby. And in the bottom of the ninth, the Mets were down by five runs. They rallied to tie it. And then the bottom of the tenth inning, this is what happened. If we could put our, our eyes. I captured this on my little cell phone camera. That's what I'm talking. That's real passion, baby. Passion to, 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 to sit in your seat through the, the difficult times and through the errors and through the, you know, gaffes of the Met. But I'm going to stay there. That's passion. Passion perseveres. See, a lot of times when you're low on passion, you slide out of position. I remember one time I was with, with Judah and it was when we lost power. I think it was in August and we had to go get gas for the generator. And we're, we're driving to, to go get gas for the generator. And uh, uh, we're, we're getting there, and, and we're in the car, and, and the, the, the tanks are empty, and they're, they're flying all over the place. And, and then we get to the gas station, we fill them up, and I'm like, all right, Jude, i got to drive really careful because I don't want to, like, spill any of these, this gas in, in, in Mom's car. This is not going to be good. And Judah was like, but Dad, on the way here, they were flying all over the place. I was like, I know, Judah, but now they're full. See, when the gas cans were empty, they'll slide all over the place. But now that they're full, then they're not going to slide like they used to. And see, a lot of you, the reason why you're sliding all over the place is because you're empty with your passion. See, if your passion is high, you won't slide. You won't get up and leave. You won't walk away when tough times hit because you have passion. See, passion in a marriage isn't about the first time you have amazing sex. That's not real passion. You want to know what real passion is? Real passion is, is 40 years of marriage. Real passion, I love this picture. This is a, a couple in our church, Bob and J that, That's real passion in a marriage right there. 
that, that when one person, they're both in the same hospital, and they made sure they rearranged things so they could be in the same hospital right next to each other, been married 45 years. That's real passion in a marriage. Real passion isn't uh, just about a moment, just about a feeling, but real passion perseveres when I don't feel it any longer, when I'm, I'm not feeling this, this, this church anymore, this marriage anymore, this job anymore, this relationship anymore. I'm not feeling it like I used to. But if you're really passionate about God, then you'll stay with him and stay connected to him even when you don't feel it any longer. Even when tragedy takes place in your life, you don't run away from God. You run to God because I'm passionate about God. I'm passionate about serving him. The same way that Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. I wish I didn't have to do this. Take this cup from me. But nevertheless, my passion is going to push through the pain. That's what real passion is. I want the passion of Christ, the passion that could push through any problem, any pain in my life, because true passion that pushes through pain can produce a harvest. And that's what Christ did. And if you want to see a harvest in 2020, you're going to have to push past some pain. And so many people lose their passion so easy. So many people in their marriage, we, we lose our passion so easily because we don't feel it any longer. Don't feel it like we used to. You say, I, I, I don't have the butterflies like I did before. Then you never had them to begin with. That's not real passion. We need to bring our passion back in our life this year. If you want to see God add things to you in 2020, you need to say first, God, I need to get back my passion. I need to get back my connection to you. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 through 5 says, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So funny. Just imagine if, if I preached with the same passion that you listen. Hey, welcome to Shore Christian Church. How you guys doing today? We're going to read the Bible. Christian Church, we read the Bible. We sing a couple songs, and then we'll have we'll out of here in just like 30 minutes. Uh, here we are. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, um, you know, with emphasis. And... What? <laughs> Who wants to go to that church and listen to that preacher? Well, maybe I, I want to preach to some passionate people. You ever think of that? Come on now, 2020, let's get our passion back. That I got something to bring to this service. I'm not just receiving, I'm giving because I'm passionate about what God is going to do in my life. Where, I mean, some of you, I want to say you used to be so passionate about God. You used to worship God in such a strong way. You used to be the first ones to, to be, if you need something, I'm there, I'll serve. I'm, I'm there. I want to see God do a work in this church. I want to see God do a work in this city. I, I, I want to be closer to him. I want to be connected to him. First thing in the morning the, you would do, you'd open up your Bible and say, God, speak to me. God, I, I, I need a word from you. I can't go this day without you. On your way to work, you would never even go to work without praying or, or, or listening to some praise music to work because you were so passionate. You were so connected to God at one time. But, but then a, a year went by, two years went by, five years went by, and maybe things didn't happen in the way that you envisioned and, and you got distracted and, and now 
you fell in love more with your comfort than being passionate about God, and now you don't talk to him in the mornings like you used to. You don't pray like you used to. You don't praise like you used to. You've lost your passion. You need to get it back. You need to get it back. You need to find what you lost. Where did you lose it? Somebody, you lost it in a moment where God disappointed you. Some of you, you lost it in a moment where you, you felt uncomfortable being passionate about God the way that you used to. You got in, uncomfortable because you didn't feel appreciated by other people and you lost your passion. Where did you lose your passion? Because if you're passionate, it'll take you to places that you cannot get on your own. It'll open doors for you that you cannot open on your own. This church, I, I want passionate people in this church. And, and like I said, it's not a volume level, it's a commitment level. Whenever we have a leadership gathering or whenever I talk to the worship team or, or the greeters, we have three things that, that I promise you that they will do before they get up on this stage or greet you in the, in the lobby or, 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 or make an announcement. Three things. Prayer, preparation, and passion. If we do those things, then I know that God is going to move in this service. And the same is true for you. Everything that you do, whether it's going to work, whether it's uh, uh, doing homework with your kids, whether it's uh, going on a date with your, with your spouse, whether, whether it's uh, doing a new thing uh, in your business, I'm telling you, every single day, you need to be in prayer, you need to be prepared, and you need to be passionate about it. Passion is something that man can't teach. It's only something that you can exude from the innermost being inside of you. God is looking for passionate people. I had the honor of someone in this church. They were in, they were in high school. I think they go to Wall High School. Um, and uh, they were doing a paper on somebody uh, in their life that they looked up to. And I, I was shocked. Um, I didn't realize it, but they, they, they really looked up to me. And uh, they asked if they could do part of their uh, paper on me and my story. And uh, they sat me down for an interview. This is a little uncomfortable if anyone's ever been in the position where someone's um, asking you questions like, um, what makes you successful? Or, or um, um, how did you do this? Or, and, and a lot of times, like, I never saw a lot of what I do as a success, especially when it comes to being a pastor. I, I see my father and mother as, as really what it means to be a successful pastor, a successful leader. Uh, but this young lady uh, asked me that question. And I, I was trying to think of it. Uh, because it was hard, you know, been 11 years and um, I, I, I envisioned things happening a lot faster than they really did. And um, they said, how did you become a successful pastor? And I thought to myself, well, it doesn't, definitely wasn't my education level. Never went to school for this. Definitely not my, my, my public speaking. This is the thing in life that I feared the most before God called me. Uh, definitely it is not my, my organizational skills. If I showed you my notebook like, it is like a, the, the notes of a madman. Like, <laughs> like I, I have more ADD than you could believe. And, and it's definitely not my organizational skills. It, it's, I, I, the only, this is the only thing that I could think of was God saw somebody with passion and said, that's somebody that I could raise up. And I, I, I could, that's the only thing I could think of. 
And I remember when, when my father first asked me to preach and, and I was so nervous. I, I felt like, like there's, there's a song Eminem wrote. I don't know if there's any Eminem fans in here. Probably not. Knees weak, arms are sweaty. He's got vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti on the surface. He looks calm and ready to drop bombs for Jesus. You know, I felt like that. Like I was, <laughs> you didn't think I knew that song, did you, Steve? Yeah, that's right. A 90s kid here. <clears throat> and I look back, that was the only thing. And I made a promise to God that I will preach with passion. I, I'm not the most theological person. I don't know the Hebrew or the Greek of, of certain translations. I don't know all the hermeneutics of scripture. I don't know all these big things. And, and I'll do my best and I'll prepare the best I can. But you can guarantee one thing, God. I will preach with passion. And I believe that that is one of the one reasons why God has brought people into this church and has ministered to people is because God saw somebody with passion. And this was a hard week for me. I had to fight this week. Last Sunday, 800 people at Paramount Theater, you better believe that was an easy sermon for, to prepare for. Man, I was pumped to prepare for that sermon. Yeah, baby, Paramount Theater. This Sunday, total opposite. <laughs> I didn't know who was going to show up. It's the latest attended service of the entire year, and, and all week, all I'm doing is putting together Lego sets and, like, forts and picking up glitter and slob all over the slime all over the floor. Like, like this was hard. I was like, maybe I'll just mail it in. <laughs> you know, that's what someone says. Why don't you just wing it? No. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm too afraid of God, and I love you too much just to wing it. I, I said, you know what? I, this is what I'm going to preach on. I'm going to preach on the thing that I am feeling like I'm losing the most this week, and that is passion. Passion to preach to whoever shows up this Sunday morning. And if I can be able to find my passion this week, you need to be able to find your passion this week. And it doesn't matter who shows up. It doesn't matter if it's in front of nobody or in front of everybody. God is looking for passionate people. Can you keep the passion even when you're not seeing the results? And David, yeah, a couple people, a couple passionate people in here. That's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to hateful Henry in the back. If I get you to, to raise your passion level, then I'm, I'm preaching. He's not a real person. I made that up, okay? If your name is Henry, God loves you. <laughs> uh, David, David in the Bible. Nobody is more passionate than David in the Bible. We, we get this, right? He, he was passionate when nobody was around. He was by himself in a sheep field, killing lions and bears with passion, writing songs with passion, chasing down giants. Uh, he, he was homeless at one point. He had his own men that wanted to stone him and kill him, but yet he still had passion for God. He had it all, even when he had nothing, but he had passion. God saw him and saw his passion and said, I'm going to make a place for him. Gave him a throne. He was one of the greatest kings that Israel ever had. Probably the greatest. But even David went through a season where his passion went low. And he was sitting in the palace. And David wasn't as passionate as he used to be. Wasn't as connected with God as he used to be. Just like some of you. So often, the scariest times in our life are the moments of prosperity. The moments where we chase comfort more than we chase connection with God. 
And David finally was comfortable. He had all the people. He had all the, the, the re money. He was, he was successful as a king. And he's on the throne. And he's not as passionate to fight the battles for God like he used to. And the scriptures say it was the springtime when all the, the warriors should be going off to battle. But David wasn't going off to battle any longer. He had gotten a little older. This message is for some Christians who've gotten a little older this year. You've gotten more seasoned. You don't exude yourself like you used to. I find it hysterical when you see somebody that, that is really pouring their heart out to God and they're, they're crying out to God and they're, they're so excited about serving God and so excited about uh, this newfound salvation that they had and then you have these, these seasoned Christians that'll say, oh, that'll fade. <laughs> Just wait. They don't actually know that you only read your Bible on Sunday mornings. They haven't been indoctrinated with the uh, uh, Americana gospel yet. Where you put more faith in the doctors than you do in God. They haven't figured that one out yet. But they will. They will. Oh, they're just one of those uh, uh, really fired up people. They must have just gotten saved. They'll learn. They'll be through some disappointments. And they won't praise God like that anymore. They'll settle down. <laughs> be like one of us. <laughs> God, what is wrong with us? What's wrong with me? Forgive me. Because David, at this point, he got real comfortable. He wasn't dancing before the Lord like he used to. Wasn't writing songs like he used to. Wasn't praying like he used to. And then there was a moment where he began to slide out of position. And he saw a beautiful woman taking a bath. Saw her. And he used to be more, more consumed with God than he was distracted by women. But this one caught his eye. And he ended up committing a horrible sin, embarrassing sin. Ruined his life and it was exposed. It was a national scandal. And a prophet came to him and condemned David for it. And, and David fell on his knees and he was broken. He was hurting. He lost his passion. His son ended up passing away because of his sin. And here's David on his knees, crying out to God. And this is what his prayer was. God, create in me a clean heart once again. And restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I need to get my passion back. Above all else, I need to get my passion back. Because if my passion is low, downfall is imminent. And my prayer to you is that it doesn't have to happen because of a bad fall in your life. But you could catch yourself running low early and say, before this year ever starts, 2020, the number one thing on my list is I want to find my connection to God once again. I want to be passionate about God like I used to be when I was younger, when I first experienced his love and his grace. I want to get that back. 
And I'm telling you, when you find that, you'll find your peace. And when you find that, you'll be able to have your marriage flow in a better direction. When you find that, you won't have to be satisfied by getting a new promotion, but you'll be thankful for just having a job to begin with. Why can't we just bring back that old-fashioned, I love you, Lord, for what you've done for me. You don't have to do another thing for me. 2020 is going to be the best year of my life because you are at the center of my life. And if you bring that back, I'm telling you, your marriage is going to do better. The relationship with your kids is going to grow closer. You're going to be able to prosper at work because when you put God in the, in the, the center of your work, he's going to prosper you. That's what he does. That's who he is. Bring it back. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Amen. Amen. If we could just bow our heads right now. Amen. In the balcony, let's just bow our heads, be reverent right now, this moment. Lord, we thank you that you are a gracious God. God, I, I just come before you this morning, Lord, and I just repent of, of losing my passion. I pray that you'll bring it back, God. I pray right now for everyone in here from the front to the back. Anyone in leadership, Lord God, that has felt their passion erode away. God, bring it back. They'll sing with the same passion that they sang the first time they met you. They'll serve and give in the same way they did the first time they experienced your love. I pray for everybody in here that has lost their passion for you. God, I pray that you'll bring it back in their life. God, restore to us the joy of our salvation. If you're in here and you could say that this message was for you, that you've lost your passion for God, that it's not what it used to be, you're not as close to God as you used to, I just want to give you this opportunity to, to reconnect your passion to God in the same way when David cried out, create in me a clean heart, O God. God was there. His grace was there to say, son, I forgive you. Son, I love you. And now you can move forward in this new year now that you've got your passion back. And when David got his passion back, God was able to give him another son and that next son Solomon became king of Israel because he was able to get his passion back. Your best is yet to come. We believe that. We confess that. But it's not going to come unless we restore our connection back to you. If you're in here this morning and you say, God, I need my passion back, on the count of three, I just want you to lift up your hand. God knows who it is. Respond to this moment. One, two, three. Lift up those hands right now. 
God, you see these hands. Leave them up right now. God, you see these hands. There was a time in their life they were so much closer to you, Lord God. And I pray that this morning you sent me with this, this simple message that spoke to their hearts that I'm not going to start this new year without having my passion and my connection where it's supposed to be. Connect me back to you, God. Father, forgive me for forsaking my first love. Forgive me for forsaking you. Bring back that passion, that love into my life. In Jesus' name we pray. You died so that I could have it. Forgive me for taking it for granted. Restore it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap if you would. This